Hello, I'm here with Doug to talk about cancer vaccine. But before that, you got sextortion. Oh, let me tell you, sextortion is a really big issue right now. And in the past, sextortion has been targeting specifically, more or less, young women, um, you, you know, from kind young of middle too, school. Pardon? Young men, too, I suppose. Well, at, I'm saying historically in the past, it's been focused on young women. Right. And it's and if you don't know what sextortion is, it's somebody that commandeers your account. And in order to get the account back, they either want money or they want naked pictures of you, something along those lines. And th there are all kinds of variants on it. But lately, they're now targeting young men. And the target audience right now is 13 through 18, which is middle school through high schoolers. And they're all men for the most part, boys, young men, boys. And there's actually been a number of suicides that have taken place, including a Congress person or senator's son from, I believe, South Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. And there have been claimed that, I believe in the last 12 months, that there have been 32 suicides as a result of that. So this... this um, legislature's son committed suicide in the matter of about four hours. He got involved in sextortion about uh, midnight and by 3 a.m., 4 a.m., he shot himself. And again, he was a very popular student. He was on the football team and he was well known and he took some pictures of himself, thought it was a, a young woman that he was communicating with. Mistake there. And it turned out to be three Nigerians. Yeah. And in the case of a Michigan boy, the, the Nigerians were just um, brought back. They were extradited to the United States and they're to stand trial for murder. So that's a, a real plus. Um, there's the agency, if you know anybody that's involved with this, it's the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children is the first place you should contact and go to. It's a good organization. And, you know, as parents have found out about this extortion, um, a lot of parents are realizing maybe that their child, that's the reason that they committed suicide. So nothing new here. Um, we had revenge porn about several years ago. And um, Sam, do you remember his name from Sacramento, California? No. Moore. Hunter Moore. It just came to me. Hunter Moore is, I believe, still sitting in prison in that. And if you kind of want to know how this works and a little bit more on the adult side of it, the revenge porn, there's a video, documentary video on Netflix that's called Charlotte's Law. And Charlotte's Law um, is a woman, her daughter was sexploited very early on. And she went to the police, she went to the FBI, she went everywhere to try and get Hunter Moore shut down his website. And he couldn't do it. And it turns out there were no laws against it. So she's the one that's credited with creating some of these anti-revenge -porn, uh, anti porn laws that we currently have in California. I'm not sure about other states. Yeah, well, it's good to see people getting punished for this 
Uh, and, you know, a couple other things occur to me. Uh, the kids really shouldn't be so terrified and uptight about sex, and they really shouldn't have access to guns. Yeah. Those yeah. things would help. And, you yeah. know, I, mean, I think um, this is, I think we can thank the Republican Party. If you look at Donald Trump and Lauren Boebert and uh, so many Republicans, it apparently doesn't really, and what the, it apparently is perfectly fine to be some kind of, uh, have some kind of sex scandal and just blow right through it and keep going. Yeah. yeah. It, it's not true that it ruins your life and you're a disgrace forever. It doesn't seem to matter at all anymore. No. And, you, you know, I, I've heard from teachers <clears throat> that their students are happening to find their videos of when they were younger. Yeah. And there's one one teacher that posted, you know, I was a pole dancer and somebody took a video of me when I was, you know, 22, something like that. And, it, you know, the point being that the information is out there on the Internet and this can come back to haunt you. I remember 10 or 15 years ago, there was a San Francisco policewoman that had to quit because she was also on like OnlyFans or something. And uh, they said, you can't do that. And she said, well, I'm making more money at that than being a cop. So, <laughs> but, you know, I wonder if now, especially considering the dramatic contribution of Republican politicians, that maybe people say, okay, who cares? You can be a porn star and a teacher or a cop at the same time. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, societal values are a little bit different. Um, I know that in Germany that, it's quite common for boyfriends, girlfriends to have overnight, um, you know, over sleepovers while they're in high school. I mean, that's just societally accepted. I imagine it's pretty common here too, but probably by sneaking around, not letting parents find out, I suppose. Yeah. But this is more in the open where yeah. it's acceptable. Probably healthier. <laughs> yeah. Probably healthier. I would agree then, with that. that. Like drinking, then your parents could perhaps offer you useful advice and prevent right. you from the worst mistakes. Yeah. And then you yeah. wouldn't be so uptight that you have to kill yourself with the shame of someone finding out. Yeah. I, I mean, that is just, um, uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. But well, I remember when know, I was raised, this was like, the, it seemed like the entire message of the church was 100% about sex. And it was like the worst thing in the world, the scariest thing in the world, the biggest disaster that could befall you. I remember that. That was how I was raised. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was part of that era as well. And it's not true. It's not true. And, you know, if, if you know about Texas history, I was told that women would have to have a note up through the 70s if they tried to buy milk or go shopping on Sundays, that they just weren't allowed to do that. I didn't know that, but yeah. They, they needed their husband's or father's approval. Well, so. that's that's the way it still is in, the, in some of the Islamic nations. But True. And uh, they haven't quite gone back to that in the red states yet, but they sure seem headed in that direction. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Well, I got some All AI. Right. What, yeah, Sam, what do you have? Yeah, so, um, so Google has launched a tool to develop apps and chatbots based on their Gemini model. OpenAI's had this, but it hasn't been available because you had to sign up for ChatGPT Plus and they froze that and just unfroze it like yesterday. So um, it'll be interesting. That's why, you know, I was going to, I just taught my AI course again and I was going to have a, one there where you set up your own customized chatbot. And I have a couple like that, but mostly it's getting so easy that you don't really need to practice. You don't need to code any Python. There's just like a GUI tool um, to do it. 
And uh, so I think we're all going to have this very soon. This is what everybody wants, is a customized bot using your company data or somehow customized for one specific purpose. And making this is going to be like a point-and-click exercise in a wizard, like making a Facebook profile. Um, and uh, in other AI things, Humana has been caught doing something another insurance company did, which is using an AI tool to deny care with a 90% error rate. And what it does is oh, it takes no. your symptoms and your treatment and it calculates how many days of hospital we should pay for. And people that really should be in the hospital for like 30 days are being told you get like five days. And uh, and this reminds me, there was a movie about this about 20 years ago. There was a scandal where one of the insurance companies had a simple policy. They always rejected every claim and you would never get anything unless you protested and took them to court. Save a lot of money that way. And this tool is clearly calibrated the same way to just reject everything and then make you fight for it. Yeah. So that's, I hope that's illegal. <laughs> They're getting uh, it, it. Yeah, it should be. There should be health care for everyone, basic health care for everyone. Well, there should be. And also insurance companies should pay out reasonable. Claims. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and the other one that uh, I was surprised at is that Dropbox has added AI features to their product and their AI features use the API to send the data to OpenAI, and they're on by default, apparently. And OpenAI says, if you use their API, they will record everything and store it on their servers for like 30 or 90 days. So your Dropbox files are being exposed, and people don't even know this. So uh, this, I think there's going to be a lot more of this, because of course, that's the easiest way to add an AI feature to your product, is to just use the OpenAI uh, API. So, so let me yeah. let me understand this. I, I have a file. Yeah. I save it. It's a spreadsheet, Word document, PowerPoint, whatever. I put it into my Dropbox. I want to share it with you. But right. before it even gets shared with you, then Dropbox's AI goes through. And do you do you have any idea what they're looking for? No, I don't. Um, I, I'm. At a guess, I'd say maybe they suggest like shared documents you might be interested based on this one. I don't know. But yeah, everybody, okay. everybody, everybody has a box in the corner. I'm the AI assistant to help you like Clippy. Yeah, Let me help you. Yeah. Everybody has to have that to be cool. Like, you yeah. know, offhand, I would have thought Dropbox doesn't need AI at all. But, you know, like I say, I'm the wet blanket. Companies I consult for say, I want to have this AI tool. And I'm like, you know, that doesn't make any sense. You don't need AI for that. <laughs> Well, you know, as long as it's uh, sustainable and, and uh, you know, but right ecologic, earth-friendly, oh. then it's good. Well, there's that. It's totally using a lot of power. But, you know, they um, it's better than blockchain, though. It's not using the power quite as pointlessly. But, um, you know, everybody has to have AI on their on their box. You know, we got now with AI. It's like yeah. 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 So anyway. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I guess this next one is in the same category, too. Um there's a facial recognition tool, which you can upload a picture and it will find out who anybody is. And people have used it to unmask porn stars and find their real name, which really ruins their life. <laughs> porn star that, that sued Trump, her life was ruined. I heard her in uh, Stormy Daniels. Once yeah. she became, her real name was published and she was really mad at the newspapers because her husband left her and everything he didn't know. And oh, she really? Felt, and she felt it was her right to keep her identity private and have a stage name and a private life. And she said, it's, it's, it's outrageous to publish my real name. I just like outing gay people, you know, it ruins their life. A whole lot of their life is based on keeping the secret apparently. 
Yeah, that, that's interesting. You know, Sam, yeah. you could take this to rape victims and victims of crimes, right? If I know, if, um, I know. It reminds me in in Europe when somebody does a mass shooting, they will never post their name or their picture anywhere because they don't want to encourage them to like get famous that way. Yeah, and yeah. that seems like a pretty good policy. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of this technology, as we've seen in the past, double-edged sword. Yeah, but America right. has this extreme freedom of the press, so you can't really pretty much stop anybody from publishing anything over here. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, it's been tried um, unsuccessfully. You know, and you know, this is where I often end up defending Republicans, although I'm a Democrat. I, the Republicans kind of have a point when they want to stop the Biden administration from communicating with like Facebook and telling them to suppress disinformation, because you really don't want the Ministry of Truth from the government telling people what news is and what news isn't, even though they were publishing horrible things like vaccine disinformation. Still, you know, if there's a government department ordering you to take that article off your site, that's kind of a bad policy. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I would agree. Well, it's, it's, agree. it's tough. Anyway, let's go back to you. You've got other stories. Yeah, so this um, recently there's a pretty big th big uh, breakthrough in quantum computing. Not that you yeah. know we're going to see that anytime soon, but the the big breakthrough that occurred. And Sam, you might have a little bit more information about this. But what's happened is in the past, if you know your quantum uh, physics, you know that there's an uncertainty of where the electron is going to be. In a in a cloud in a on an atom, so with quantum computing, there's also a large uncertainty of what a qubit and a qubit is analogous to a bit. But the problem is to determine if a bit, if a qubit is a one or a zero, but it could be any range in between. If I'm correct, yeah. verify me on that. Okay, you have to have a lot of other bits, qubits, to verify to make sure it's uncertain or, yeah. or to reduce the uncertainty. Yeah, it's, it's actually easily analog analogous to normal memory. The current memory has a high error rate. So you have to add a lot of error correction for it to actually accomplish anything. Which, which is ECC memory. That's right. And error, trying, error correction, yeah. That's right, it's trying to invent quantum ECC memory, yeah. Right, so right now a quantum, a qubit needs somewhere on the order, according to my research, of about a thousand other qubits to reduce the uncertainty. Yeah, and you can't really get anything done without a lot more than a thousand qubits, and they have to have a much lower error rate than in current ones. This is why quantum computers are of no importance right now, but everyone thinks maybe in 20 or 30 years they'll be important. Yeah, so the breakthrough, again, it's only claimed by one, I believe, one team of researchers is that they've been able to get the error rate down. And it's now, it needs to be verified. But if that's true, this is going to be another step forward. Right. And I think yeah. this is the way it is. Every month they make another step forward. You know, you need like three or four things for a computer. You need to transmit the qubits. You need to store the qubits. You need to entangle the qubits. You need to get the noise down. And every month they have another step forward. This is why everyone thinks it's really going to happen in 20 or 30 years. It's useless now, but there's real progress. Every big problem is making real progress. So in a couple decades, it'll actually do something amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. 
Yeah, well, and of course, the most obvious thing is it's going to break all our public key encryption schemes. There was a long article on Reuters going through it, and I was part of it was interesting, and part of it I kept getting mad because I felt like it was wrong. Um, but I think it's probably just from knowing too much. Everyone keeps saying all our encrypted data is going to get exposed, and that is not true because it's not going to break symmetric encryption. It's only going to break asymmetric encryption. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. But anyway, it does mean we have to throw away a lot of the algorithms you're using on the internet and switch to the new quantum resistant ones. And those are coming out. Um, like I said, I've just got Kyber working a couple, a couple yeah. of weeks ago. So, so yeah, that's the okay. immediate, immediate effect on us is we'll have to upgrade our cryptography. And if you actually had like affordable quantum computers that were powerful, then probably you could start having new things like smarter robots or something. But anyway, that the how problem about is self -drive, how about self-driving cars? Yeah, possibly. <laughs> but then, you know, the, one of the huge problems is almost all quantum computers require these qubits to be chilled down to outrageously low temperatures. So right. they're not at all practical for your home. They're just going to be used in huge data centers at huge costs. Even that will be useful. But, you know, it won't really matter until you can afford one in your home. Right. Or in your smartphone. Yeah. And therefore, they got to get it to work in room temperature. And people are working on that. Yeah. Yeah. But no success that I've heard of. Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. All right. We'll see. And then, then there's the one I've got here, which I thought was the most amazing thing. I've heard about this ever since we had the COVID vaccine. They said they were going to make anti-cancer vaccines. And now they have done it. They've made Merck and Moderna have made an anti-melanoma vaccine. And melanoma is one of the most common cancers, skin cancer, and it works. It cuts the risk of death in half and wow. the risk of it spreading to other organs in half. And I mean, this is huge. A ton of people die from melanoma. That's why they're telling us all to wear sunblock. It's really common. It's really deadly. It really spreads fast. It has a low survival rate. This is really important. I mean, all previous medical advances like this i hear on some esoteric disease that doesn't happen very much and they have to take some samples of your cancer cell then they make a vaccine that will activate your immune system to kill those cancer cells it's just what it ought to be they aren't reaching in with with knives or radiation to try to kill the cancer cell and killing a bunch of good cells in the process they're just activating your body's defenses to kill off the cancer cells so now it can't spread which i think is awesome yeah and are they using crispr do you know? Um, I don't know. I don't okay. know exactly how they do it, but they do make a custom RNA vaccine to match your cancer cells. So I think it's probably expensive right now, but this, this can all, in, in bulk produ production, this will come down. And there's a huge demand for this. Melanoma yeah, is really yeah. And so, yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the most important. So, yeah, you know, this is another cancer that was deadly, Oh yeah, that yeah that we found a cure for. Well, I shouldn't say a cure. It is a treatment. It's a treatment. Yeah, thank really you. Really, it's an effective treatment. I mean, it still only stops half of them, but still, that's right. a step forward. You know, and presumably there'll be improvements, and you know, yeah, yeah, combine it with other therapies and all that jazz. But right, but this is you know real significant step forward, like like the first antibiotic. You can suddenly do something about a huge disease that you were pretty much helpless against before. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, th this kind of brings up, I, I always hear, you know, we need to cure cancer. And in reality, there are about 250 different cancers, oh, somewhere yeah, in that neighborhood. More than that. Yeah. 
I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, the, the proper response should be if you're asked for a donation to cure cancer, which one is kind of what I'm getting at. Well, you know, that's like I felt about that, uh, that article about quantum computing. I, I try to be forgiving when they try to translate science into words for the common man. I've yeah. gotten in trouble criticizing tech journalists saying, you didn't say that right. And they're like, well, you know, I'm trying to communicate with normals. And I say, well, I don't know anything about normals. I can't even teach a class to normals. Like occasionally I get in, they wanted me to teach a class on cybersecurity to a bunch of uh, city college police officers. And I said, you know, I can't figure out what to say that they would want to hear. It's yeah, yeah, not, yeah. I don't, you know, normal, every time I try to teach like, to an absolutely general audience, I'm not the right person. I yeah. can't think like they do. I can't understand their concerns. I need. I can only communicate with technical people. Understood. Understood. Yeah. It's a common so, word problem, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I have a, another story here yeah. um, about um, Cisco's Talos annual cyber uh, security report came out. Oh, Talos, yeah. Talos, right. And it's it's pretty interesting that a lot of these have have you seen the report, Sam? No, but I've seen a lot of previous ones from Cisco and Microsoft, and they're always very interesting. Interesting statistics about the types of crime and stuff. Yeah. So th this is vulnerabilities CVEs, and some of these CVEs are going back ten years, and cyber attackers are realizing there's there's a whole audience out there. Of, of victims. Well, this is what I've heard for years is that 90% um, of attacks use stuff that's like three or four years since it was patched because they don't need to try any harder. They just go with the old classics and all your time spent dealing with the latest fashionable thing is kind of wasted. All the experts I, I, in the field I've heard have said, you know, you'd be better off doing security 101 stuff, like get rid of the default passwords and put on the existing patches, which do you a lot more good than all these exotic fancy things. Yeah, I, I mean, they found one, and I can't remember what the product is, but it's in common use, and the default password was 11111. Oh, yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Well, there's a lot and, of them. Yeah. And there are vulnerabilities out here that are 10 years old. And we're talking, just to be fair, we're talking Microsoft. We're talking Apple. Apple Safari has a vulnerability that people still have that's out there. Oracle and Java. Um, Windows font, uh, in uh, font drivers and print drivers, print spooler. And all those things were patched years ago. Oh, if you didn't put on the patch, then you're yep. sitting. Yep. And you, you got to know if, if you find a vulnerability in Word 2017 that's yeah. still there, yeah. one has to assume that nobody has patched it ever since. Well, I think most end users never patch their stuff. Well, that's why we were forced to go into automatic updates, right? Or forced updates. And then I know, but when Microsoft started pushing out forced updates, must then, be years now, but I, the updates were also frequently bad and would break things. Those two things should not happen together. I mean, if you're going to force the updates, you really should put them through more quality control. Well, yeah, the the, the trade-off, right? Well, I'm sure you can argue just like people do about medical things that, well, most people are better off with the update. Uh, but, you know, 
there, there are exceptions, right? Always exceptions. I suppose, yeah. And and you know as well as when you have a library that depends on another library, yeah. you have the functionality there and it's working. And if there's a security flaw in the library or the library that you're linking to, Mm-hmm. then the, there's a possibility that your app's going to stop working. Well, you know, I've, I've got over the, I taught this class earlier in the week and early in the first day I mentioned I was teaching secure coding. And one of the guys said, oh, what product can we use? And I said, well, they're using expensive commercial, commercial products, but I see SonarCube has a free version. So I tried to install SonarCube and get it working. And it was nearly impossible. And the only way I ever got it working was to deploy the Docker container version. Because it's a Java-based app and you need a specific bit of Java and specific libraries. So the only yeah. thing that works is the Docker container. But I'm sure every bit of that code is like three years out of date. And yeah. there's no way to update yeah. anything. So actually, this is a huge problem. I mean, especially in open source. Whenever you install any open source thing, you have to have the version of Java, the version of this library, or the version of that library. And usually updating it all to the latest version will break it. Yeah, this is actually really serious in this way. You know, Windows and Mac are more professional, um, but in the open source community, I think it has a huge problem with this update stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, message there is there are vulnerabilities out there. There are still careers in cybersecurity. Absolutely. And also you can the only thing since you can never get all the vulnerabilities out, you have to practice good hygiene and have defense in depth. You have right. to have firewalls and network monitoring and an incident response team and all that. It's uh, just like other things. Like, for example, you don't know that some of your employees aren't thieves or being spies for other hostile entities. So instead, you have human resource controls and fire Separation drills. of duties. Yeah. All those classic yeah. security that goes back even before computers. Yeah, yeah. Right? Good. right. Yeah. You, need, you yeah. need good policies so you can handle the failures of your controls. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Do you have anything else? I do have a couple more here. Uh, One that really got a lot of, they're going all over the place. So these Polish, um, they're trains in Poland and the manufacturer without telling him anybody said, well, after a certain number of hours, I'm going to say uh, maintenance is required and the train will just stop until you get this expensive (laughs) maintenance. And so the, the, uh, like the equivalent of BART in Poland said, well, a train's out of service. Oh, another train's out of service. We don't know what's wrong. We're trying to have people fix them and we can't figure out what's wrong. And so their subway system went down because the trains are out. And so then, so then a hacker, an anti-DRM hacker, came oh, no. in and totally hacked them. He said, I can fix it. So he said, well, they were desperate. So they hired like this hacking company. He came in and he reverse engineered it. And he found that they had intentionally been bricked by the manufacturer and that there was an access code to turn that off. So you just type really? in the access code, blam, to turn the trains back on. And now they are trying to prosecute the hacker for violating the DRM. And uh, right. But, you know, this is, reminds me of the John Deere tractors where this yep. is thing. This, uh, you get these products that have just been sabotaged by the person that built it. And then they want to basically get extortion money to unsabotage the product. That doesn't seem like it ought to be legal. 
Well, it, it's a revenue stream, right? The the current model is subscription models. Well, at the so, very least, they should have to completely disclose this when you buy. Yeah. It's only yeah. going to run for three years until you pay this much to get the next three years. Then it might be okay. Right. And what, wasn't there a similar issue with the Dreamliner, with Boeing's Dreamliner, that when that went into service, they allocated certain number of bits for the clock? And if if do you, do you remember this? And if Thank the you. plane is flying along, once the the you know once you roll over to zero 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 essentially, like the odometer on your car, then the plane would fully reboot. And Boeing was telling people, don't fully shut down the computers, even in overnight mode. Just allow them to continue to to function. And I believe that that wasn't found out until it was in service. And luckily, there were no takeoffs, landings were in flight, but the planes were on the ground when all of a sudden the computers would just reboot. Man. Well, I've heard so, so many horror stories like hospital equipment rebooting to put on a Windows update and turning off the internet yeah, and stuff. Yeah. It's you really have this thing where your computer forcibly reboots and interrupts whatever you're doing is really, really dangerous. Right. And what was the solution that Boeing implemented? One more bit. (laughs) One more bit. I'm sorry. One more bit for the clock. Yeah. Well, well, (laughs) yeah. Anyway, I got one more here, which I could not believe. There's a, you know, for years, I I think it was Wendy Nahum. I remember a, a famous cybersecurity researcher talking to me at the RSA conference, claiming the phone hears everything you say. If I talk about like roses at home, I'll get ads for roses the next day. It's spying on you. And there was a huge discussion among people in like the speaker's room at RSA where I was. I said, that's bogus. That can't be happening. And other people said, yeah, I'm sure it's happening. People said, I'm sure it's not happening. And anyway... So yeah. this guy is not an idiot. This is Joseph Cox, a famous journalist. He claims to have proof that this is really happening. He, But he says he found a company, um, Cox Media Group, which has marketing saying you can totally target ads based on what people are talking about. And they really mean it. They have examples. Suppose people are having conversations at home saying the car lease ends in a month. We need a plan. Or a minivan would be perfect for us. Do I see mold on the ceiling? You can totally find customers that are talking about your service and then target ads based on that. And they say, we know what you're thinking. You're thinking it's illegal, but this is totally legal. Somewhere in the terms of service of those apps you installed, we can just put in a paragraph that says, we're going to listen to everything you say and sell that data to advertisers, and that will make it legal. So I did a little research on this as, as well about a year ago. I had a friend was making the same claims. Yeah. And the claim was, there, there's a little subtle difference here. The claim was that Apple and Google are listening to what you're saying and then sell, selling your data to companies. And I, I believe there's a little, again, slight difference. It's not Apple or Google because they, they out front denied it. And I, I think we can assume why, even if they were or were not. And I think the research that I found was, you're right, it's apps. It's not Apple or Google. It's an app you install. But your app turns on the microphone all the time and records everything you say. This is the stuff of like science yes. fiction. Yeah, yeah. That, um, that's, again, we have no proof. 
Well, that's my understanding. Well, these guys are advertising, marketing the product based on this. So it's not hidden or subtle anymore. Yeah, right, right. And I, I think this is kind of coming to light. I mean, if they're not doing <clears throat> it, you could sue them for claiming to do it and taking your money as an advertiser. Right, so, right, right. So, but yeah. I mean, I just thought this was paranoid nonsense. Like, you know, the hippies used to turn off the circuit breaker so the man doesn't hear everything you say. <laughs> yeah. yeah no i i understand so so let, let me tell you i shifted from being skeptical about this but once i understood it was apps then now i'm convinced i i think that's that's quite possible and i think you have another piece of evidence to support that yeah so the preponderance of the evidence has shifted now in my right. mind yeah, well, is, this is this, yeah. this is this is like the the moment when it comes absolutely public. I mean, this is going to hit like a hand grenade the security community, and there's going to be proof very soon. This, this article it, will either be supported or refuted. I'd say within a couple of weeks. Yeah, but wasn't this also the case um, either with Uber or Lyft, or maybe it was another app? where you would install an app and it would track you where your location is. Oh, and uh, and when uh, you removed the app, yeah. the tracker was still in place. Oh, do you recall that? I don't, that last bit I've never heard of. And that sounds insane. You remove the app. It isn't really gone. Correct. It's not fully gone. It's still recording your location information That's and, and phones back home. That's gotta be a violation of the app store's terms of service. One would think so. As you know, and, Apple, Apple tried to kick, threatened to kick Uber out just for targeting, basing, based on the, on the IME I number or something. I mean, they're actually generally very strict about their policies. Yeah, I, I think Apple, this was a few years ago. I don't think Apple was aware um, yeah. that, that there was something they hadn't considered. Yeah. And just for our listeners, the IMEI, I hope I got those letters right. Yeah. Um, that's a, a unique number that identifies your specific device. It's right. kind of like a Mac address on a network card. Right. Um, in theory, there right. should only be one in the world, in the universe. Yeah. And that's why for a while they used that instead of login for apps and Apple outlawed it and Uber tried to do it anyway. And they actually, I like, said, you want us to cancel the Uber app? How much money would you make then? <laughs> How about you obey the rules instead? Right. That's what right. they did. <laughs> yeah. So, so again, I, I think this may have been Uber, but I'm not absolutely positive. But it sounds like Uber's bending the rules in the past anyway. Well, Uber was fantastically, you know, outrageously irresponsible and uh, offensive and breaking all sorts of rules. And now they've greatly reformed, I think. Yeah. They kicked yeah. Out, they've, they've straightened up and they're flying a lot better now. Yeah, anyway. I would agree. All yeah, right. That's a lot Anything of else? Nope. You don't have any more, do you? Nope, I don't. So okay. Well, that's over. enough for this one. You know, have another one. So. Sounds good, Sam. Thanks. All right.